Greetings, this is Jason Hill, and this is the podcast version of Into the Gap, which airs every Saturday morning from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Central on WCGO Radio, 1590 a.m. and 95.9 FM in Chicago. Let's get to this week's episode. Here's my co-host, Mike Shrek. This is Mike. Jason, this is Into the Gap. How you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing well. Good morning, everybody. Yeah, we got a little bit of a technical difficulty. We're supposed to have Rollo Tomasi on with us today, and he's, he's here, but we're having a problem with the connection so when he gets hooked up we'll bring him on well he'll he'll be on yeah yeah so you're supposed to go to italy but uh i guess there's a little flu bug that's going around that's oh it's not a flu bug i'm kidding you yeah it's serious i canceled my trip and i'm glad i canceled the trip because you know i don't believe in hysteria yeah but i I believe in taking precautions yeah i think i have a friend in italy and he said it's just mayhem the death toll has doubled is doubling every day they have like four thousand five hundred cases now yeah and um the Democratic leader over there has just caught the virus. Oh, did he? Yeah, wow. it's going to get worse. I mean, I, I I don't listen to the media. I listen. I have these these scientific outposts that I log into. Mm-hmm. And I listen to the scientists, and it's 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 going to get bad. I I think the the challenge I'm having with is I don't know who to trust and what to do. I, I've got a good friend of mine who, by all intents and purposes, runs Northwestern Hospital. Yeah, and what he says is kind of on the other side of that is everyone is so hysterical about it that the emergency rooms are filled with people with colds and the flu, you know? Right. And so, like, they don't even know. And plus, there's no test kits. They don't really know what they're dealing with, you know? Uh, it seems like the thing that they're, they do know, though, is it, it's the older you are, the more, you know, likely it is to be very serious. Well, just look at, the, look at the rate at which it's spreading. Look, at yeah. the, the, look, at, look, compare it to SARS. Look at the number of people who have it. Look at the, the rate at which it's spreading. Um, look at the way in which it survives on surface tops for up to four or five days. Yeah. It's serious. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and look at the way in which people are not self-quarantined. Like this guy in New York who tested positive, was told to self-quarantine, went to a mixer and infected five people who oh tested positive seven days later. That's criminal. Well, this is why it's going to get worse. Yeah. Yeah. So... Anyway. Yeah. How you been, man? How was your week? I'm sorry. I've been out of communication. I've been working on this construction project all week, and it's been crazy. So we haven't talked since. I know. I've been just busy wrapping up school. This is the last week of school. Is it? And you've got to be near the end of your book, too, right? Mm, I have two chapters left. Still? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. It's hard. It's hard to to research and and, Mm -hmm. and write and teach and do tutorials and deal with sick children. Sick children. My sick children. Yeah. Who have the flu and I have to, you know, take care of them, their yeah. late assignments. It's hard. But, yeah. 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 Well, but, cool. um, and then keep up with a new cycle, which I'm addicted to. I know. It's crazy. I know. I just wrote a column called Is the Im- is is uh the fall of Israel imminent? Really? Yeah, with the election of with the victory with the, of the joint list in the Knesset. You know, everybody's Celebrating, not everybody, but mm-hmm. the Arabs are celebrating the two elected extra seats of the Arab factions in the Knesset, mm-hmm. and I think they're a national security threat. So I said, I ended this article saying, "Prime Minister Netanyahu, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. You've got an Arab faction that hates Israel, mm-hmm. a bunch of communists and Arab nationalists and Hamas supporters, the first hijab wearing." Um, um, member of parliament in the Knesset, and this is a national security threat. Don't we and, have that here, though? I mean, with the squad in the Congress? 
Uh, it's not the same. No? Okay. I don't think it's the same. Okay. Um, I don't think we have the kind of existential threat. No. I, yeah, I don't think there's people as overtly out to destroy the United States, States. as there are right. for Israel. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. And the fact that they have a large Jewish population, though that's voting for um, the, the, the joint list, is, is alarming. Yeah, it, well, you've got Bernie Sanders, who's pro-Islamic, right? And, and that's alarming to me. And he's, you know, a professed Jewish person. Well, we, we had the elections, and, you know, Americans overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly voted that we don't want socialism. Yeah, I know. I, I, that was a takeout for me this week. Well, it's amazing how quickly it happened, too. Yeah. You know, like last Friday, it was like Bernie was in charge and socialists were going to take over the country. Yes. And today they're kind of extinct. Exactly. You know? And you know what, you know what I find fascinating is um, the whole Democratic primary. How, I, I mean, how long has this whole selection process for the de- Democrats been going on? Six, eight months? Yes. Right? And it was the most diverse group of people ever, right? Mm-hmm. And they went through the process, through the funding of it, through the building of, of collaboration and, and different alliances. Mm-hmm. And slowly it got pared down. And eventually it comes down to two old white guys, right? Mm-hmm. And what I found hilarious is now the media, the woke media, mm-hmm. is all up in arms about how this is. And, and Liz Warren was all up in arms yesterday about how unfair this is. Yes. But it went through the process. It went through the process. That it's sexist. It's, yeah. it's, it's misogynistic. Well, they, these women had their turn. They had their fair share of why didn't all my question is why didn't all these women turn out to vote for her well, and why didn't all these screaming hysterical young people who want free college and free Medicaid for all yeah. why didn't they turn up and vote for vote Bernie you well, know they turn up at his rallies but they don't they don't turn up at the voting booth well this is the thing that I, I I found so freaking amazing right was you go through the process and you get an outcome mm-hmm. so the process is a process right yeah and everyone says let the process work unless it doesn't work out for them mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden they discredit the process. Yeah. So I, I, that's the hypocrisy of the Democrat Party mm-hmm. that I have such a huge challenge with. That mm-hmm. I, I just don't understand how it works and how to, you know, make it happen. So it's it's crazy. Well, yeah. she's falling back on something called electability that people yeah. didn't vote for her because they'd still in the perception in the minds of American people a woman is not electable. Well, make yourself electable. Yeah. Like, what does it take to be electable? What does it take to be electable? Well, I mean, I mean, takes listening. Yeah, well, putting forward a healthcare policy and then telling the American people how very, very, very expensive that healthcare policy yeah. is going to be is not going to make you electable. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, something. Why did this get all fuzzy now? Yeah. Um, I, yeah. We're having technical difficulties today, the guys here at the shop, and uh, yeah. I know my mic just there. Uh, now it got better. Now it got better. Yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's 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 sort of like make yourself electable by putting forward forward policies that people can relate to. Yeah. Yeah. Or that people can understand. I mean, the one thing about Bernie Sanders is that he did not to his credit tell the American people how expensive his socialist agenda was going to be. Other people did though. Other people did, <laughs> yeah. but he did. I believe the number I saw was 60 trillion. 60 trillion. Something's yeah. wrong with me. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> Your mic is off. Yeah. Um, can you hear me? Uh, yeah, I can hear you now. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. You're back on. I'm back on. This is uh, this is kind of a really interesting day we're having here at the shop. Everything. No, it's fine. It's gonna work out. 
Yeah. We just roll with it. Yeah, we'll just go with it. We'll it's, with it's show it. business, folks. It's show, but the show has to go on. Yeah. So, uh, so I, I just, I mean, you know. Hold up for one second. I got Rollo on the phone. Hey, dude, how are you? I know, I know. There's something going on with the, uh, with the uh, engineering thing. I don't know what the problem is. Uh, it, Andrew's going to call you right now. It's going to be an eight four seven number or seven seven three number. Okay. Sorry, everyone. That's live radio going on there. Yeah, no. So, um, is my can you you can hear me? Right? I can hear yeah, you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's gonna be yeah Biden, but and but the thing is, I think I think Elizabeth Warren is mm-hmm. really being a mean spirited woman right now by not giving her endorsement. Dude, she's angry. She's, she's angry. an angry she's, she's woman. An angry she's woman been an angry right woman. Now. She's <laughs> every time you hear her talk, what does she talk about? Fighting. Fighting. All she wants to do is fight. <laughs> she's this little skinny woman who's never been in a fight in her life, but she's gonna talk about fighting. Liz. No, she's on. gonna take it on these two old men oh by God. not giving any of them her endorsement. And she's, it's it's so classic. She didn't get her way, so she's stamping her feet. She's stamping her feet. And then she's gonna go run and take her toys away. I mean, come on. You know, you know who I, I'll tell you the guy I walked away from, like, really inspired by. And I think he may be president one day if things continue. Is, Pete? Is Pete. Pete, yeah. Pete was eloquent in his speech. Yeah. He was, he was. He's because of class act. Yeah, he really is. He yeah. gets it. Yeah. And he's 37 years old. Yes, yes. It's remarkable. You know what I think? I think if Biden or um, Sanders were really true, you know, like, I don't know, alpha males. Yeah. They would just announce, like, they would just tweet, uh, Elizabeth, so grateful for your, um... Yeah. Roll, are you on the phone? Yeah, I'm on now. Hey, we got him on the phone. Oh, great. Hey, welcome, man. We were just talking about the coronavirus and Liz Warren <laughs> and all kinds of cool stuff. We think, to... we think Biden and Bernie, one of them should just tweet out, like Trump would. Thank you so much, Elizabeth, for that endorsement last night. <laughs> Must have been a technical mis- yeah. a technical error that uh, the world didn't see. It, but so grateful for the endorsement, and then shame her into endorsing. <laughs> that would be hilarious. That would be hilarious. Well, anyway, I want to introduce you guys. I've been wanting you guys to get together for a while. It's, this is Jason Hill and Rolla Tomasi, guys. Nice, nice to meet you. Hey, 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 hey. hey I, uh, I, have to, I have to start off by saying I was wrong about something. Actually, I thought for sure we were going to have to have a. Uh, a dual female ticket on this uh, this election cycle, and from what I can tell, mm-hmm. um, we're probably still going to have a female, at least maybe as a uh, vice presidential uh, candidate on the on the ticket as well. I don't know what the the you know the, I don't know what the decision making process was in all of this because mm-hmm. obviously there's a lot of money that gets thrown around in politics, of course. Yeah, man, how you de- how you been? We haven't talked to you all year. Welcome back. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a while. It's been a while. Uh, thanks for having me back on, too. Oh, no, dude. Uh, no, I was just going to say is that, I was just going to say is that, uh, you know, I, I, as far as the, the Elizabeth Warren thing is going right now, um, like I said, I, I, I was really, I was really surprised. I, I was surprised that we, we didn't have at least one female on the ticket, right? You know, as, as we know right now, I mean, that's a possibility that she gets added in later on. And I would, I would, I would venture to guess that if Bernie is the candidate, you're going to see uh, Elizabeth Warren as the vice president uh, on that same ticket because they're still going to want to they're still going to want to play up to the uh, the female base on all this. And um, I think probably you know tomorrow. I don't know if you guys are aware of this. Tomorrow's March 8th, mm-hmm. and tomorrow is uh, International Women's Day. 
And uh, I expect you're probably going to see a lot of articles and a lot of speeches, of course, about abortion and everything else. But I think one of the things that you're going to definitely see uh, tomorrow is going to be sort of this lamentation of, uh, of Elizabeth Warren being, you know, the last female to sort of go down to like the two old white men uh, uh -huh. in the DNC. And, uh, you know, we're already seeing these articles pop up at the New York Times and everything else, but... Now we're going to have the, uh, it's going to be the victimhood narrative from <laughs> here on out, I yeah. think, unless they put it back in. And then that's going to be sort of like the, the shining hope, I mean, I guess. I mean, remember, I mean, well, how old is Bernie? Bernie's like 70, 78. 78. 78 yeah. years old. Yeah. So, I mean, let's, let's just be frank here. I mean, there's a, there's a good chance he might die in office and we get the first female president by default. Yeah. Well, well, Jason's got a theory on the Republican side, Jay. Do you want to share that? Well, a lot of insiders are saying that um, it's a real, I mean, real Trump insiders are saying that, and this might sound cynical, but that basically Trump put Pence in charge of the COVID-19 coronavirus to throw him under the bus and that he's going to hold a press conference at Mar-a-Lago the day of the DNC when the nominee is announced and he's going to uh, dump Mike Pence and he'll choose Nikki Haley as his running mate, uh, which I think would be brilliant. Really? Yeah, I think it would be brilliant because she would attract all the suburban moms and yeah, that would be a wise move. You know, that Mike Pence has served his purpose. He, he was a good beta male to an alpha and that he pacified the president. He was his wingman. But there's really no need for him to hang on him in the 2020 elections. And I think, I think it would be absolutely brilliant. Um, I mean, we know that with the Democratic nominee that there's more than likely going to be a vice presidential, uh, a vice president female candidate. And, you know, they're trucking around people like Stacey Abrams and who's this other woman, Nino, uh, on, on Bernie Sanders' side. Nino, what's her last name? Nina something. I can't remember her last name. But I think when people think of a vice president, I mean, they think, okay, a possible president. And I think when people look at Stacey Abrams from Georgia, they're going to say, oh, no. No. Oh, there's no way. There's no way she could. If Bernie dies, there's no way that this woman is going to be president yeah. of the United States of America. Yeah. And I think the same thing with Elizabeth Warren. I mean, there's something about she's saying she's not electable. There's a reason that she's not electable. She's cold. She's like a pit bull. Um, she's also a windsock. What does she stand for? Yeah, what does she stand it for? She's, she's, a watch, she's a Wall Street watchdog. She's yeah. a pit bull. Uh, we don't know what she stands for besides offering a very, very expensive healthcare program that, that she announced would cost the American taxpayers a lot of money. Um, so, yeah, I, think I just thought that would be very interesting if Trump decided to choose Nikki Haley, which I don't think is beyond the reasonable. Yeah. So, Rollo, it's been a while since we talked, man. I wanted to catch up with you. What's new with you? What you been up to? Sure, sure. Oh, just uh, I'm, I'm working on a fourth book right now. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, uh, it's kind of slow going. I'm in my second round of edits right now and uh, hoping to have it out by the end of this month, possibly. Into, I've, I've got a, uh, an event that I'm doing in Las Vegas, uh, middle of April, and it's uh, about four or five guys uh, that are part of my, sort of my, my circle mm -hmm. of, of friends. We're going to be doing a, a live uh, a live event in Las Vegas on the 18th. Unfortunately, all the uh, <laughs> all of the tickets are already sold out. We're doing a very small event; it's only mm -hmm. like you know, limited to about 100 guys. But okay. what I'm trying to do is uh, 
plan the plan the book release right around that time, and then okay. once the book is out, I'll probably be doing a book tour or something. Cool. cool. What's the book about? Well, I am. Um, if you are familiar with my other work, uh, I'm a quote unquote red pill writer, and um, mm-hmm. I have the my my book, the the rational males. Yeah, I know. I you know I'm not. Yeah, not to gloss myself, but it's certainly the Bible of the manosphere, the red pill, with respect to inter- intersexual dynamics. Um, but uh, I've got a series of books, obviously. Uh, the, the, there's three books, and I'm working on a fourth. And the fourth one is about uh, how uh, red pill, um, red pill thought, red pill praxology, sort of uh, coincides and in, in, uh, in, 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 in some ways agrees, in some ways disagrees with religion. Mm. Not just one religion, but like all religions. So mm. it's a sort of a red pill focus on religion. In fact, it's just it's part of the the rational. It's going to be part of the rational male series, and it's uh, just going to be titled "Rational Male Religion." Right. No, I ask just because, in case of you know new listeners who are not that familiar with your work, mm-hmm. um, would oh, yeah. Be, would yeah would have an idea of what what the new book is about. Yeah, um, I've been wanting sure. to have yeah, you guys. Well, it's, yeah. um, Go ahead. Well, it's about. It's, well, I was going to say it's it's about um, uh, one of the things is I've been doing this for almost twenty years right now. I've been writing in the in what we call the manosphere. Um, I, I really wish there was a, a better name for yeah. it, but that's you know that's what we got to work with. So, um, <laughs> I, and uh, I I've been talking about intersexual dynamics from a red pill perspective and just sort of a more realistic um, nuts and bolts perspective, um, particularly now because in you know the past twenty years we've had the the internet. We've had a lot of more communication. We've had guys that sort of come together and relate their experiences, and it's sort of a uh, it's sort of an aggregate of information um, from you know a lot of different fields, from psychology, from sociology, from anthropology, and guys coming together. I mean, originally it started out um, with guys wanting to find ways to you know get a girlfriend or get laid or whatever, and um, from there it sort of uh, snowballed into what we call the manosphere right now, which is sort of a, a better understanding, I think, of intersexual dynamics. Along the way, I had a lot of guys ask me, you know, hey, Rolo, I'm a, I'm a Christian or I'm a Muslim, and I don't believe in premarital sex, or I don't believe, you know, I, I'm, I'm in a marriage, I'm in a sexless marriage. How do I get my wife to have sex with me again? I, I'm, a, I'm a guy who's looking for, you know, a wife, but I don't believe in uh, premarital sex, but I do understand everything that you're saying. How do I how do I make that gel? Or I've got guys who will hit me up and they'll say, you know what, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in my church right now, and I don't see a lot of guys there anymore. A lot of, a lot of men have abandoned mainstream, well, a lot of people in general have, have abandoned mainstream religion. But um, men more than, than women right now, it's almost as if mainstream, uh, main, certainly mainstream Christianity and a lot of other religions as well, uh, tend to be more feminized right now. And I think that's a, a result of... Uh, our feminization, really, since the sexual revolution, but more so, I think, in the last, like, 30, about 30, uh, 20 or 30 years, let's just say, and um, a lot of guys are looking around their churches, and they're going, hey, where are all the guys? Where are all the men? You see these resurgences of, of men uh, trying to find some way to sort of get men back into the church, mm-hmm. and they're, like, wondering, where did, all, where did all the guys go? Where are all the men? And, of course, where the men are is in the manosphere, because there's nothing for them in the church right now. There's nothing for them to help them sort of find a purpose or find a, uh, uh, find a definition or a, some way to sort of understand conventional masculinity, because really over the last 
40, maybe 50 years, there's been a what, what I believe is a, a social engineering campaign to get men to, you know, uh, to be confused about masculinity or to make masculinity something that is uh, subjective, mm-hmm. that there's no real yeah. definition for it. And, that's a, and I think it's a deliberate push to, um, to confuse, obfuscate, um, to, or, or in some ways just to uh, de-emphasize and just, you know, basically take the teeth out of, out of conventional masculinity. And a lot of that is draw, a lot of that I think is done uh, by inserting um, femininity or the, what I call the feminine imperative into a lot of different social areas. And one of those social areas, of course, is religion. Right. And so guys leave the church because the church becomes actively hostile to these guys. Mm-hmm. And so as a result, you have the, the guys who are left in the churches are are wondering, you know, where are all the guys? And they're trying to find ways to relate to guys, but they themselves are from a generation that was brought up to be confused about masculinity themselves. So anything that is conventionally masculine in, in churches today is, is you know, rejected. It's, it's actively worked against right now. And so that's, that's one area. The other area I'm working on in, in the book is uh, just how feminization has sort of spread through not just Christianity, but through um, all mainstream religions, and how just like uh, you know, I have, a, I have a, a pretty seminal essay called Male Space, and in that essay I describe how um, you know, the feminine imperative, how, how uh, certainly feminism, uh, but just feminine interests, insert themselves into male space. And one of those male spaces used to be religion, because we always say, we always think of religion as being patriarchal. Okay. And it's so what's happening is you see this this push to feminize religion because it it assimilates that religion to work in the interests of what I call the feminine imperative with, with the interests of women. So consequently, you see more women trying to get into ministry. You see women uh, finding ways to become more um, covertly powerful within religions. And in, I think we're reaching a point is right now. Is it covertly now or where, is it actually uh, overtly? Well, now, well, I was going to say now it's becoming more overt. Yeah. And so that's one of the, you know, th- those are some of the themes that I'm working on. Right. Do you think it's too late? I mean, when I look out at, the, I have a, there's a, a new book I'm working on in my, um, fourth book, fifth, fifth book, and it's called Male Feminists and the Women Who Hump Them. <laughs> and, um, what I, you know, outside of, I think outside of hardcore working class men, Latino men, black men, um, the, the feminist agenda has really won. I mean, what I see among bourgeois, uh, elite, white men. Hey, we're going to have to take a break. Take a break, okay. Rob, I'll hang in there because we want to get into this whole idea of gynocentricism. And men who enjoy being emasculated. And men who enjoy being emasculated. We'll be back in two minutes. This is Mike and Jason and Rollo Tomasi. Jason Hill here, and I want to let you know that you're listening to the podcast version of Into the Gap, which airs every Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m. Central on WCGO Radio. Tune in live from 1590 a.m. and 95.9 FM, the Smart Talk app. Tune in or wcgoradio.com. The podcast is available from Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. Find it, rate it, and subscribe. If you'd like to get in touch about the show or inquire about sponsorship opportunities and rates, please reach out to my co-host Mike at MikeShrek at gmail.com. 
Okay, back to the show now. Here's my co-host, Mike Shrek. Hey, we're back. This is Mike and Jason. This is Into the Gap, and our guest is Rallo Tomasi. Rallo, right before we left, uh, Jay had a, a question he wanted to ask you about uh, the he, whole, uh, you know, this advancing of feminism, or as we like to refer to it here, gynocentrism. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rallo, this is this is the question I wanted to pose to you. Um, you know, if it if it's too late, in the sense that here's here's the phenomenon that I see happening. Um, you know. The feminization of culture has advanced so much um, outside the sphere of, let's say, working class men who have not been touched by feminism one iota. I mean, they're still, they still have a strong sense of masculinity. Among black men, you see this among Latino men. But when you look at the bourgeois elite uh, uh, white male, you see a sense in which their masculinity has been so co-opted. Yale University has taken away the, the male spaces, which is the fraternity houses, where men can be men. And what I see is when you present like a model of masculinity to, to, to men, they don't recognize it anymore. They've been so alienated that they don't recognize it. And they see you, the individual who's like presenting this model of masculinity, almost as an enemy, almost as something alien. Um, how, how does one address how does one engage in this re-socialization of this kind of what I call male feminist who enjoys being humped? I'm outrageous <laughs> saying this by the women, yeah. uh, by male, uh, you know, I call it the male feminists and the women who hump them, who who enjoy, who partake in this kind of masochistic <laughs> humping of the women, um, who have uh, not indoctrinated them, just re-socialized them towards a kind of uh, feminist pathos and ethos. I think what. I, I, I agree with what you're saying. I think that uh, it it might be even a little bit worse than what you're saying right now. I, I understand <laughs> that uh, it's 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 nice to I know. I'm sorry to, to sound pessimistic here. Oh, um, be pessimistic. Even in, even in even in well, I mean, even in even in black culture, even in Latino culture, even in Muslim culture right now. As, when, as part of my research for book four, I had to actually talk to a lot of guys from a lot of different religions and. Um, I mean, even in certain sects of, of Islam, uh, certain sects of even um, Orthodox Judaism, which in, in, in most cases uh, presents uh, masculine duties, you know, from a very early age. Yeah. I mean, whether they still cling, you know, or, you know Orthodox Jews cling to, a, uh, to an ideal of like a rite of passage. We don't have rites of passages for, for men anymore. And honestly, I think one of the reasons why you're seeing this is because really since the sexual revolution, since the advent of hormonal birth control for, for women, um, there has been a, a concerted effort, uh, you know, beginning with feminism, of course, but um, sort of in undermining uh, gender ideals. And, and uh, like that's why you get things like uh, this push for uh, tr uh, transgender rights and transgender is such a big deal. Remember, nobody was talking about transgender anything prior to like 2015. Yeah, it's only something that's been around very, very recently. Mm -hmm. And now we're we're looking at these. We're looking at um, you know uh, what is it? Drag queen story hours at libraries and things like that. As if that's that's like that's a good idea now. And, and normal. Uh, it's, like, this, it's normal. Uh, the, yeah. It's well, it's normalized, but here's the thing: is it's above board now. Oh. It's no longer, and and I think one of the reasons why it's above board, and it has to be above board, is first of all the what I call the feminine imperative is really part of a, a larger um, 
I, I guess, a larger social push that I call the village. And when I, when I, and if you've read my third book, I, I talk about the village quite a bit. And when, when I talk about the village, the village is, I'm sure you've heard the term, certainly from Hillary Clinton, where she says it takes a village to raise a child. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the kind of a euphemism, I think, for how we uh, sort of condition the, the, the next generation or generation after generation is we condition them with uh, social imperatives, with social messages. From the time a child is five years old, we condition that kid with Disney and with media and with pop culture and with religion and with parenting, a parenting that is a result of the prior efforts to, to condition that, um, that father or that mother of that child so that that child will now be more um, you know, open to a, a more overt form of conditioning. And so as a result of that, I think this sort of speaks to your point there, is that those men who were who are now, you know, comfortable being male feminists are guys who are simply confused or never had any, um, I mean, they're, they're what we call beta males. They're beta males that were raised by other beta males. And so we're looking at maybe the third or fourth generation. Yeah. Of men, particular. I mean, it started, of course, in in you know white Anglo-Saxon uh, you know society because that was the easiest that was the easiest target to hit right there. But you're also going to see this as already is spreading through um, you know through cultures that we thought were previously uh, well you know black men are always going to be alphas or or Latino culture as a very strong um, uh, you know pro-conventional masculinity. That's a part of it because that's part of their cultural tradition. Muslims, of course, the same thing is, you know, well, they oppress their women. Um, I think you would be shocked to find that in a lot of these areas, there's women, are, you know, Western feminism, Western, the feminine imperative, what I call, um, along with uh, making the world a global, you know, marketplace in many different arenas, part of that is exporting Western feminism into those cultures. Well, so. You're going to see. Um, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I'm not a big fan of Muslim culture, and uh, for many reasons. So I, 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 I want to make a distinction here between you know domestic violence and and because I'm a big, I'm a conservative, and I'm a big respecter of individual mm-hmm. rights, and I, I don't want to see a culture in which a woman decides. Because I do, I, I would say that I'm an, I'm not a feminist, but I would say I'm an equity. Uh, individual who thinks that women and men should have the same rights. So if a woman doesn't want to wear a freaking burqa, which is a hideous, ghoulish mm-hmm. garment, aesthetic eyesore, or a hijab, her husband has no right enforcing his beliefs and beating her. And that if he does hit her, he should be hauled off in a paddy wagon and spend a couple months or years in jail. Or in this country, he should be deported if he's not an American citizen. So I, I mean, we don't you want to draw a distinction between the importation of certain Western values that protect the inviolable rights of women as as individuals, while still maintaining a model of masculinity? Because I think there's something very, very nefarious and pernicious about the the Muslim model of masculinity that I don't want to see part of Western masculinity at all. Yeah. Well, that's what I what I'm what I'm saying there is this is that in certain cultures, in mm. Muslim cultures, in Latino cultures, in black cultures, yeah. we, we we tend to think of them and you were saying prior to this, 
that we tend to think of them as being almost like immune to the feminine imperative or feminist narrative, and that it's 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 working its way into basically these male spaces because we we tend to think of society as being like this patriarchal society where it's a man's world, right? No. It is no longer a man's world. It hasn't been a man's world really since since the late sixties. And uh, incrementally, we see this etching away, or this you know this, this you know taking away of masculine authority to the point right now where if we go and we look at the cultures that you mentioned before, or the, or Muslim cultures that we would say are stereotypically patriarchal, I think there's no other there's no better example of uh, an extreme patriarchal society than like Sharia law. Than right, the Muslim yeah, culture, right. but even in those cultures, we're seeing the, the the feminine imperative go into those and assimilate certain aspects of those cultures, and by you know, little by little, etching away at that. So exactly what you're saying here is like, well, you want to see more. You know, I'm not an I'm not an equalist, so let's let's just let's just put that out there on there. I'm I'm a complementarian before I'm an equalist, and I'll tell you why I'm why that is, is that. When we, I think that egalitarianism and you know what I call egalitarian equalism is something that has been pushed upon us for a very long time, and the reason for that is because it erodes men's natural authority, their complementary authority. I believe that men and women are complements to one another. We are not equals with one another. I believe that we are uh, that men's strengths match women's weaknesses, and women's mm-hmm. strengths. Femininity matches masculine weaknesses, and through you know, through whatever process you want to call it, um, we are better together than we are apart. But yeah. equalism and egalitarianism is what drives a wedge between men and women. I, I, I when, agree. I, when we have. I agree with you. I don't think that egalitarianism and equalism are the same. Like I'm not a metaphysical egalitarianism egalitarianist at all. I think that's egalitarianism as a metaphysical principle is horrible it's first of all it's empirical un, empirically untenable i think that but men and women deserve equal treatment under the law so when i say i'm an equalist i mean that uh, gender equality is something that is part of the western tradition that i think you can assert masculine authority but say that a woman deserves equal treatment under the law just like how blacks and whites and indians and croatians and germans deserve equal treatment under the law and that to discriminate on the basis of gender or race or nationality under the law is 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 actually nefarious. So I think we want to make category distinctions here between egalitarianism and and and, and advocating equality before the law. So I think something like saying that men and women are different uh, by nature is very different than saying that that difference doesn't disqualify a woman from enjoying equality. Before the law, we can still advance that principle while saying there's something fundamentally different about the sexes and still assert masculine authority, right? The, thing, the thing I appreciate about what Rollo just pointed to, he talks about the complementarianism, the yeah. complementary nature of it. And, and I think that's when you have things that are complementary, it's, it's like ballast, right? There's a give and a take. There's a flow to it. And I think that's, that's what really... I think it gets really weird when you try to create hard, fast rules about how we're supposed to relate to one another. Because so much of it has to do with the way the stuff that's going around with us, right? 
that's in the private realm. I'm talking about the public oh. realm. I don't want there to be. I, I that's between men and women. I, yeah. I I just don't want to see in the public. Part of the Western achievement, mm-hmm. part of Western civilization, the achievement of Western civilization, the hard-fought battles, battles in the suffragette move, suffragette movement, yeah. for example, granting women the right to vote. We can grant women the right to vote and say that women have the right to represent themselves, while still maintaining that in the private realm, you know, in the in the household. Mm-hmm. Male authority prevails. Yeah. Off mic, Jason and I were having a conversation about, uh, he's got some very uh, uh, strong beliefs on Islam. And, and we were just talking about, I, I think you guys were having two different conversations. So it's, you were just, yeah, trying, yeah. I was gonna yeah. Say you, you were making a I, point like there's when this. I talk, yeah. 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 Well, my, my point is this, and, and I, uh, again, this is from a lot of research for book mm-hmm. four is, is, Islam is, by all definitions, a very patriarchal religion. Yeah. And even within... Okay, so here's what, that, what I say is, if I say, well, yeah. um, you know, uh, feminism is assimilating evangelical Christianity, what, yeah. what guys will, will throw at me after that, they go, well, not in my religion, or not in my country, not in Saudi Arabia, not in Iran, yeah. not in Iran. But the, the fact of the matter is, is there are very strong un, uh, of their underground movements, but there are very strong movements for feminists, particularly yeah. in Iran right now, where women are going on uh, Twitter or whatever and, and, and taking off the hijab and dancing, you know, mm-hmm. like like Western women do on Instagram, and they basically go to jail for that because that society is based on Sharia law. It's based on a, a very patriarchal, um, you know, uh, social cultural undercurrent. And even in those societies that we would think are completely oppressed, you're still seeing that influence. And the reason for that, of course, is because we now have a global marketplace of ideas. And so any woman with a cell phone and an Instagram account, it doesn't matter if she's in, a, in, a, uh, in Iran or Saudi Arabia. She can go on and, and join all of her girlfriends from you know, every Western culture she wants and have that influence her. And it influences within, you know, within reason, within generations. But mm-hmm. even in those very patriarchal, very conservative, you know, cultures, yeah. black culture, uh, Latino culture that we would always say would be, you know, more you know, conventionally masculine, even in those cultures, you're, it's happening slower, for sure. But it's happening. <laughs> well, I've got a question for both you and, and Jay. So we're, we're clearly in the midst of some kind of, gender war, culture war, or something, right? And I'm, I'm kind of a, you know, I, I'm a pretty proletariat, you know, for lack, I mean, m- middle-class white guy, right? Uh, you know, work in construction, kind of the, you know, Joe the plumber from back in the day kind of guy. Um, and I am very present to this, uh, you call it, Ravo, the feminist imperative. Uh, I, I call it the gynocentric paradigm. That there's this this movement that's going on that's anti man, anti masculinity, and and I don't see us as as a group have a response that is actually working. And you know, and it and I kind of and, and I think that's what Jay was asking. It, it's have we gone too far? Have we lost masculinity as we known it, or or what is there to do, or what? What do you see as next? I guess, and and Jay, you you can pop in too. You know, I mean, I because I, I I'm I'm concerned. We've got this woman here in Chicago, Su- Susan Buchanan, who basically has stated that men don't have a right to say things. Mm-hmm. 
you know? So I, I'm really curious, like, what, what's your position on Trump? Well, I, I, I agree with you, of course. Yeah. Uh, you know, got the, even the word gynocentrism comes from, of course, the, the men's rights movement, the mm-hmm. men's rights activists. Uh, which has been around for a very long time, I think a lot longer than most people really uh, really realize. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that it's always been there, but once we got real globalization, once we're right, you know, we hit right about the 2000s when the Internet started to mm-hmm. take off, um, you know, now we have access to you know, communications, and with that communication, like we've never had, this, it's unprecedented in human history, the, yeah. the kind of communication that we have right now. And as a result, it's no longer, you know, MTV in influencing, you know, Russian culture <laughs> to bring down the Berlin Wall. We're talking about instant access to, yeah. you know, westernized feminization, and it spreads. So when you go and you look at a movement like the Me Too movement, it's not just here in the United States. It's in Korea. Yeah. It's in Iran. It's, it's in South Africa. It's everywhere instantaneously. And I'll, you, you will see an example of this tomorrow on International Women's Day, because you will see how just how widespread the the ideas of feminism is. I, I, I always say this, I, I don't care if you're liberal, I don't care if you're conservative, I don't care if you identify as a feminist or you don't identify as a feminist. If you were born after 1965, you have had feminist ideology in some way influence your way of thinking because it's in the schools, it's in the culture, it's in all Western culture that has been, of course, imported or or export, I should say, to other to other cultures right now, and it has never been more exponentially, you know, spread than it is right now. So I agree with you there. I think that when it comes to, uh, you know, how do we get it back? How do we how do we reassert uh, conventional masculinity? Well, I think what you're going to see is a very violent, hostile pushback against anything when it comes to guys trying to say, hey, maybe the, maybe this isn't as it should be. Maybe men should start thinking about what what it was like to. You know, for what masculinity was like for their grandfathers, because their fathers were blue pill beta men. Their grandfathers might not have been. Their great grandfathers might not have been. And so, I think that's one of the reasons why you see like a resurgence in the manosphere right now, and the mm-hmm. and you know, red pill praxology, like I like to call it, um, is because guys are waking up. Because along with the access to everything else in this, you know, internet globalization age. Men are, are waking up. They, they might be in a crisis mode. They might be in a trauma or something like that, but they're finding resources like my book. They're finding resources like the Manosphere, and it's threatening and it's very frightening for women that their power might be challenged, and that's why you see these hostile, very hostile pushbacks against things like the Manosphere right now. But I think the guys are, you know, even if, even if you uh, deleted all my books tomorrow, guys are still waking up because it's unignorable now. Yeah. Just like what you're saying right now, is you, you, you see the female politicians, you see the messages that are out there. Guys are looking at this and they're going, w- w- you know, where's, where, how does she represent my interest? I'm supposed to vote for this person, but how does she represent my interest? How's, how is uh, my, you know, the, the things that I'm concerned with, how are they going to be addressed? When all we're concerned about is putting, uh, you know, a woman into office, into the into the presidency, or, or you know, wherever we want to, you know, we want this equal representation in in politics, great. What happens when they get into that representation? What do they do once they are there? You know, we can talk about equality all we want to. We got to talk about what the effect is of putting of, of putting women into the, that position. We already had our first gynocentric president, Barack Obama. Right. Oh yeah. I mean, clearly, oh, clearly. So. Yeah. Jay, your thoughts? Well, 
I, you know, I'm a big, big defender of individual rights. Right. I mean, I, I as a conservative, I think that, you know, we have il- inalienable, um, inviolable rights. And I don't think that strong men, in order to remain strong and masculine, need to exercise unbridled power over women to retain their masculinity. Right. I think a good, strong man will stand up for the inalienable, inviolable rights of, of a woman. And still, because ethical men throughout history have fought against rape, have, have yeah. given their lives yeah. to protect women. So I think any ethical, strong alpha male will give his life to fight for the rights of all persons. Ethical men have fought for the emancipation. I mean, sl- look at slavery. Slavery has been in existence since antiquity. Mm-hmm. Emancipation is a new phenomenon, and it's a Western phenomenon, yeah. right? And you know, it was forged in the crucibles of male power. William Wilberforce in England, the, the great emancipators of slavery, are Western men who, f- who fought yeah. against the abolition of oppression. So I think you know this 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 notion that oppression has to be maintained at the cost of female, um, a male power has to be maintained at the cost of female oppression is a is a sort of like a false equivalence. I agree with you 100. percent Rama, we're going to have to roll. We're out of time. Uh, how can people get in touch with you? How can people get your stuff? Sure, you can find me at therationalmail.com. That's my blog. Uh, I, uh, that's where I'm most active. I've okay. got new stuff up there every week. Uh, also, you can find my books on Amazon. Just uh, type in The Rational Mail in the search engine. You'll find all three. And I'm on Twitter, by the way. I'm Rolotsmosky at Rational Mail. All right, man. Well, thanks so much for being here, bud. we got to go. We're out of here. See you, See next, you next week. week.